Holly and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. Well, happy Halloween, guys. We are recording Sunday morning, October 31st, 2021, Halloween Day. What are your Halloween plans? My Halloween plans are to stay in and watch scary movies. Okay, it's a good plan. It's a good plan. And I th- I'm going to throw scary up in quotes because uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm into a universal uh, uh, monster movie thing this this year. Okay. So I have, and it, you know, if you've been looking at our Instagram feed uh, and our stories, I've been you know pushing out a bunch of uh, universal monster movie images. That's just where my head's at this year. I just really, really have enjoyed that. In fact, last night I took a, a slight detour and watched Gods and Monsters with Sir Ian McKellen and Brendan Fraser movie from the 90s, oh, yeah. I believe. I recall that movie. Mm-hmm. Have you, did you ever see it? I did, yes. It's a beautiful film. It is. You know, it's, a, it's about uh, James Whale, the director of Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. And uh, his end of life. It is just a beautiful film. I I'd never seen it before. I, oh, really? I heard yeah, about no, it. It's a, it's yeah. very popular when it came out. Like a like a yeah. critically popular. I should yeah. say. Well, and you know it was an art house film at the time, and I was an art house movie guy at the time, but I just never got around to seeing it. But hmm. it was a it was a beautiful film. It, HBO did a really nice job this Halloween season. Really kind of. Uh, creating a hub of Halloween movies. You know, you know, I will say the streaming services this year between HBO, Peacock, even Discovery Hulu. Plus, Hulu, yeah. they all had like some good specific Halloween content, you know, mm-hmm. cordoned off so that you could easily access it. No complaints. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. I, yeah. I was like, huh, I just don't have enough time to watch all this. Well, there's that. right? <laughs> <laughs> and like yeah. tomorrow with the Christmas already begins. I'm sure Christmas yeah. has already begun in some areas. Jen, yeah. the other day we had, we had to have a serious conversation Uh-oh. because she said that uh, Hallmark was starting their Christmas stuff. Oh, um, no. And, you know, I came home, I think when last... you say Hallmark, like the, the Hallmark movie channel. Yes. I'm, I apologize. Okay. Yeah, the Hallmark channel. Okay. And so I came home and, and one of them was on. I'm like no, no, no! That's not the this worst. Household. That is the worst. It too, Brute. Yeah. I've already bought a Christmas ornament for this year. Yeah, uh, that was your Batman Batcave thing, right? Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> now, was the, the I had we had a whole conversation off the mics a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Wayne had seen this uh, Batman TV show Batcave uh, uh, ornament, you know, from '66. And uh, he ordered it, and it wound up being uh, a, a a a scam, apparently. Yeah. So I gotta know: Did you get the scam ornament, or was it the legitimate ornament? I got the legitimate one I bought off of Amazon, and I got refunded the scam one. Okay. 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 And uh, I've made it since my personal quest against that ad. Like I <laughs> see that ad on Facebook constantly. And I reply back to people on it, and I mm-hmm. uh, mark it as a scam, and going out of my way to try to keep other people from being caught by that particular right. ad. You know, uh, this podcast specifically, uh, the hosts of this podcast, I should say, have been plagued by uh, internet scams this year, you know, from shirts to ornaments. Uh, <laughs> it has been a problematic year for us. And I got to tell you, there are so many scammy uh, advertisers on Instagram uh, I, I really feel like Instagram is complicit in all of this. That's how I, I feel about Facebook, and it's yeah. the same company, so 
yeah, they're completely complicit. Yeah. And I, I got to tell you, you know, uh, my issue via PayPal is I feel like PayPal should stop doing business with those companies. I mean, I, I, I appreciate that PayPal resolved my shirt order issue. And I think we've talked about that previously on, on, the, on the show. But if you've got that kind of issue, it seems to me like your payer that's, that has an agreement with them is complicit. And I feel like Instagram is complicit. I, I don't understand. I understand they're making money, but uh, it, it seems to me like they should be protecting their customers so that people have faith in the marketplace. Well, and these companies are doing things specifically with PayPal in mind. Mm-hmm. Like they'll ship you a sock or something. So they have right. a tracking number. Right. So what I did with this one was I went out, did all my research and in my PayPal, uh, when I filed my complaint, I had links in there to, you know, basically prove this was a fraudulent site. Yeah. And they had no problem. They right away I got it dealt with. Good. But I Good. overwhelmed them with uh, basically with evidence before I even sent it. Well, I, I you know, on the subject of Internet sales, uh, Paul sent me an image of his Superman, the complete animated series yes. Blu-ray mm-hmm. this week. And immediately I went out there and bought mine. <laughs> which is in my hands right now. I, I haven't even taken off the, the cellophane from, from the outside. Uh, it is, it is so choice. Yes. I'm, I'm very excited. Open. Very excited. Paul, did you break yours open yet? I've opened it, but uh, you know, what's funny. So I moved into this house back in May. I have not actually hooked up my Blu-ray player yet. Oh! I've been doing everything digitally. Um, and you know, so this does come with a digital code. However, the bonus features, which is the reason I bought it, because I can already watch it in high def on um, HBO Max. Right. Uh, but the but I wanted the bonus features, and unfortunately, they're disc only. So I wonder. I, I have to hook that up. You know, I wonder if at some point, because what I have noticed is that after the fact, mm-hmm. Voodoo will load the special features. Yeah. And so that, yeah, and that that's what I hope happens because, like yourself, I, <laughs> I. I have a Blu-ray player. I have two of them, I think. Um, but I never use the damn things. In fact, every time I, yeah. I go to use them, I'm like, where the hell is the remote? You know? <laughs> where did I put this remote? And I usually have to dust it off. <laughs> yeah, I've, comp- I've quit buying physical media because I have, like, my Blu-ray player is a PlayStation 4 that I never switch over to. And mm-hmm. I don't want to get up and go get the disc and switch the discs out and you know, I want everything streaming, and so I've entirely quit buying physical media because yeah. I'm too lazy to ever watch it. You know, Even if it's something <laughs> I want to see, I'll find something streaming instead. Well, here's the problem with some of the you know more niche stuff that I like, like um, like horror stuff, right? Yeah. So Shout Factory is is a pretty big horror yeah. company. Um, you know, and, and they'll release like special editions of films that you know un- new scenes or you know bonus features and things like that and but and they'll release them on um 4k or blu-ray but with no digital code because they are you know that they they basically only get the rights to release the physical media version of it and so you know i have purchased some things in recent months and it's like damn it i need a 4k because now they're releasing them in 4k so it's like and i don't have a 4k player though i have a 4k tv but those things have gone such so far down in price uh, it's on the christmas list the 4K <laughs> Blu-ray player. Yeah, I'm with you. I get some stuff imported in from Japan, and it's it's yeah, like the do. stuff that's yeah, not uh, <laughs> the hentai. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> it's stuff that's not released streaming. Uh-huh. So 
depends on your definition is... of streaming. <laughs> I... Wow. <laughs> that, that took me a minute. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, so I get it, and then it goes up on the shelf and never gets watched because it's not streaming, and I'm too lazy to go put a disc in. Yeah, same yeah, here. Yeah. Paul, it's funny you mentioned Shout Factory. I just got a package from Shout, Shout Factory about three weeks ago. Uh, they had a special offer on the uh, William Shatner Star Trek documentaries oh, that he right. did. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you did it, you got the vinyl edi- vinyl special edition of Has Been, his his album with Ben Folds. Mm-hmm. So I, I was all over that. I was on that like a duck on a June bug, Paul. <laughs> I, I, I remember when that album came out, how excited you were. It's a good album. Mm-hmm. It's a good album. His his other new – he has a new album out right now uh, called Bill, uh, Bill, which is also really good. Hmm. Um, in fact, it, this is funny. I heard him interviewed – I was flipping through the satellite radio channels the other day um, – and you know, you know, you know, I'm having a bad day when I'm flipping through the satellite radio channels because it means that my uh, the Bluetooth in my car didn't sync up, so I can't stream my own my own media. Uh, so I'm, you know, and you can't you, you can't reset everything unless you stop. And you know, so I'm on the highway, so I'm flipping through the through the channels, and I go through the Elvis Presley channel, and I'm about to toggle through it because you know Elvis Presley, but I hear William Shatner's voice. I'm like, well, what's this? And and he is being interviewed on the Elvis Presley channel about his new album. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, what is the connection there? And so the, the, the guy who's interviewing it cracks me up. He says, so you sang that song my way. And, uh, you know, William Shatter says, yeah, I did. I did. You know, I, I sang my way. It's a great song. It's a great standard. And when you were singing that, you know, were were you thinking about Elvis Presley's performance of my way? No, I was thinking about Sinatra. <laughs> the guy is trying to find links to Elvis Presley to make to make William Shatner a little bit more relevant to the Presley listening audience. But Shatner's not ha- not giving him anything. He's like, no, no, I was thinking about Frank Sinatra. Nah, Elvis, why would I do that? <laughs> Hottest thing in the world, Aaron. Just the weirdest connection. I had a dream about Elvis Presley last night. No, that I was watching his very first appearance, but I was there live. Oh, spooky ookie. Oh. Look at this. The did, connection. Yeah. The connected did he thread. Call, did he call you backstage? No. Yeah. I had a dream about Elvis once that he was uh, trying to get a hold of me and that I like needed physically to physically or a phone call. Phone call. Okay. And you know that he was trying he was trying to call me and uh, you know, he I I I I'm I'm like he didn't leave his number on my machine back when we had machines. <laughs> And I'm like, how do I get a hold of Elvis Presley? So I get out the phone book, you know, back when we had phone books. And I'm looking up, you know, Presley. And, you know, I don't, I don't find him in, 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 the, in the phone book under Presley. And I'm like, well, what would he be listening to? Oh, Elvis, King the, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so I get his number and I call him and he says, Aaron, come on over to the house. I need to talk to you. I'm like, okay. Well, he lived in, in a duplex on the other side of town. <laughs> <laughs> and I go over to his house, and the, and the dream ends right as he's opening the front door to let me in. Weird dream. Yeah. The dreams always end right before they get good. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like a Saturday Night Live sketch, you know. doesn't really have an ending. <laughs> See, I, I think what we've learned from this conversation is 
you guys have more connective thread to Elvis Presley than William yeah, Shatner. Yeah, that's just Saturday Night Live too, because in the dream, that was where <laughs> Elvis's first appearance was. Like he was a background singer on Saturday Night Live, and he was going to do his first appearance as Elvis. See, uh, Wayne and I can yes and all day. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let, let me let me let, let's put a pin in this Elvis conversation for now. This El- Elvis William Shatner physical media conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty minutes in, we've gone off the rails. Right. Yeah, because we haven't even got into William Shatner going to space. That's right. Oh, oh, that's right. Well, so before we we podcasted, you know, we were so we, a dear listener, singular. Um, <laughs> when uh, oh, there's two, there's Neil, there's Sardell. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, uh, I, I would say thanks, Bob, but my mom doesn't listen. So <laughs> we, um, you know, before we get on the mics, what we do is we go through a list of the comics that we read in, you know, in that we maybe more than one person has read, determine what's worth talking about, that kind of thing. And Aaron had mentioned that you know, in going into the new releases on Comicsology this week. A lot of books that were in the new releases were now showing as pre-order only, and um, I don't know if you. So, what's been happening there is it's all related to the supply chain issues. What um, it is? It digital Fucking comics. China. Digital comics are affected by supply chain issues, and what it is is that um, you're seeing it a lot with Image Comics, but you'll see it in in other areas as as well, is that the street date for a lot of these comics is intended to be this week, like this Wednesday's release date. Um, But because of print and paper delays, the the physical media gets pushed off a week or two, and they don't release the digital book until the physical book has been released. So it's already, you know, it's already street dated, it's already in the system to be released, so that's why you'll see it in the new releases. But when the physical book gets delayed, then they change it to pre-order. They already have the digital file. They just can't release it until the physical book has been released. Yeah, It's super annoying. Yeah. It is. It is very annoying. And because I'm not – there is no reason in the world to pre-order a digital book. No. You know, unless you're going to get a reduced price in the pre-order, which you don't. No. Uh, you know, why would you let someone hold on to your money? That when it's ju- going to be just as available when it's uh, ready for purchase, I don't understand that. I mean, I guess the benefit is that it just will automatically download to your app. You know, you don't have to go back out and look for it again. But that just the pre-order thing just amuses me. Yeah, particularly me. the particularly this week, it was crossover number nine that uh, jumped out yeah. at to me as a pre-order. So excited because I see the cover. It's like, right. ooh, a new issue of crossover pre-order. Yeah. yeah. Well, that yeah. happened with Primordial number two. And so I was like, well, you know, I never did read Primordial number one, and I was interested in it. And so I went back and I looked at the preview and just, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. Plus, the issue number one was already reduced. It was like a buck seventy nine, and I picked it up. And number one, uh, it is excellently written by Mr. Jeff Lemire, and uh, excellently drawn by Andrea Sorrentino. The book takes place in the very, very early days of the uh, space race between the U.S. and the Soviet Union. And, and now I'm we're back to William it. Shatner in space. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell it right here in the room to Wayne. Um, monkey on the cover, monkey in the story, uh, monkey in space, dog in space, both of them come back altered. 
Oh. Clicking by right now. Yeah, it is. So I saw Monkey good. on the cover, and I assumed Monkey was going to die. Um, let me just—I'm not—I don't want to spoil anything else, you know, because I've already given that part away. But I, I had to sell Wayne. Uh, this book looks fantastic. You and, know, I was hesitant because Andrea Sorrentino sometimes it goes a little bit, you know, into too like artsy territory for me it is a very graphically designed book i mean there 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 is a a certain uh john hickman look to the to the book hmm, okay you know uh, and you know sometimes you know hickman i think is a little bit more uh form over substance but it is this book is gorgeous it you know at least the first issue i mean just had me it had me on so many levels. Uh, there's a coolness factor to it. There is a a uh, really strong mystery going on. I love seeing you know what's happening to to uh, these animals that have been launched into space. It's just terrific, terrific book. Well, I have just purchased issue number one, so when two comes out, we can talk about it together. I Woo-hoo! think issue two is supposed to come out next week. I guess we'll find out. Um, I guess it's lucky that all these Halloween-themed books that came out this week, because DC went all in on the Halloween yeah. books, um, you know, were not delayed. Uh, because you know, I picked up Batman: The Long Halloween Special uh, issue one, or I, I shouldn't say issue one; it's one shot. Now, um, what made it a special? Um, just that it's a one shot. I guess so. It's just in that long Halloween universe. Yeah. So this takes okay. place. Um, so it is by Jeff Loeb. And Tim Sale, who have not done a book together in 10 years, maybe more. Yeah. It's been a, a long, long time. time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so we had recently watched the Batman Long Halloween two-part animated piece of garbage um, <laughs> that was released. <laughs> uh, and so that was fresh in my mind. And I will tell you, it was helpful that it was fresh in my mind because the story uh, very much, you know, is a sequel to uh, the events of the the long Halloween and and you know the movie I guess was close enough that I was able to understand the you know the 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 elements of the story without necessarily feeling like damn what's going on it's been so long since I read um, you know because this very much has to do with Calendar Man and Two Face and um, Julia Dent or Gilda excuse me Gilda Dent uh, after the events of Long Halloween it's it it you know if you like the Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale stuff, I, I would say, you know, they, they it, this is very much in the vein of that original story. So it, it, it's absolutely worth reading. It's a, you know, nice little Halloween tale. Um, so I enjoyed it. Uh, and I, I thought it was a good book. Uh, the art, it, like, it's been a long time since I've seen Tim Sale interiors. Um, right. You know, still, you know, it, it, he had, the, the creative team has not missed a beat. Um, which, you know, that's one thing that I was worried about is, you know, are we going to go down the path of like Frank Miller, right? Where the, it's been so long since they've done a book together. It just doesn't hold up. Um, but no arts, art is very much the same, you know, writing is very much the same, you know, there's some, some cute Robin moments in the book. So I enjoyed it. Um, you know, at this point I'd probably wait till it's on Comixology Unlimited, but, or not, uh, DC Universe Infinite, I should say, um. But I enjoyed it. It was worth reading. Absolutely. If you if you are a fan of the long Halloween, um, this is basically like the epilogue. Cool. Well, I look forward to reading that in the DC Infinite app. Yeah. Well, and you know, um, like I said, DC went all in on Halloween this week because we also had the first issues of DC versus Vampires and Task Force Z number one. 
Um, I think Task Force Z was is is more in continuity, whereas DC right. versus Vampires is more of your like side universe injustice type yeah. thing. Yeah, like deceased. Yeah, yeah. like deceased. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, you know, this is a twelve issue book. Is that right? Yeah, because yeah, I think it's 12. one Halloween to another, basically. Exactly. I think that's a nice way to do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, the I, I I really didn't know what to expect going into the book. Um, I will say I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, I, I, I I dig how dark it got right away. Yeah. I like that it's it is a good use of uh, DC characters, both you know very popular and others not. Um, I enjoyed this book a great deal. What'd you guys think? Yeah, I was really surprised because when I saw the cover, I th- I was thinking it was going to be more deceased like right away, like we were going to have these armies of vampires all over the place, and thankfully it didn't start with that. It started much smaller. I never read any of the I Vampire stuff, mm-hmm. so I didn't know that their main vampire character, who's created by uh, J.M. DeMatteis, right? Kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I never read any of that stuff, so I didn't know the character. I really liked him. And like the book just blew me away. I was so happy with the way the story is going. And we got to see uh, Gorilla Grodd as a vampire. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, Scarecrow. Was... <laughs> you, don't, you don't want a vampire Gorilla Grodd. Gorilla Grodd is bad enough on his own. He doesn't need to have vampire powers, too. Well, and the That's Wonder just... Twins, that, that one of those Wonder Twins oh, got blended... <laughs> The the Green Lantern blender <laughs> to make himself a Zan smoothie. Sometimes killed. you just want a smoothie. God. <laughs> yeah, this book was was nice and dark, but humorous. You know, and humorous in a you know dark in a humorous way. Um, like we said, the, the blending of the Wonder Twin. Um, I, I liked the turn with the Green Lantern. Yeah, you know, at I the end. Too. Uh, yeah. I mean, spoilers, Green Lantern's a vampire, but I, I, well, I'm, and I'm curious I, to see where this book goes. It's It, it was fun. Yeah, I like that it, how surprising that turn was, you know, that uh, he had told uh, the the vampire that the Justice League wasn't, you know, that they were all out on mission. And, you know, the stumble was Zan saying, well, let me go get Superman. He's right in the other room. And, you know, and, Andrew the vampire, you know, does the, wait, they're here, oh my God. And, you know, just immediately how goes bad and the fangs come out and putting Zan in the, you know, Green Lantern powered blender <laughs> to make a smoothie. And then Hal drinks it and goes, hmm, watery. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say I didn't see the twist coming because we see Hal out in the daylight. Yeah. Right. You I didn't even think about it. It makes sense the ring could protect him from it. But Oh yeah, great explanation for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. and I like that they dealt with that. They specifically put him out in the sunlight so you wouldn't necessarily think he was a vampire. It was a strong first issue. I am I am I am deeply in for this book. Agreed. Now one book yeah. I'm not in for is the other one, Task Force Z. Really? I I didn't like it. Um, it's it's funny because it's it's also written. So the other one's written by James Tynion and Matthew Rosenberg, whereas this one's just Matthew Rosenberg. Um, so in in this book, uh, Red Hood has been, I don't know, basically you know, forced into leading this Task Force Z group, which is basically the Suicide Squad, but using reanimated corpses of characters like Bane, the Arkham Knight, Man Bat, um, some of which I didn't even know were dead. Mr. Bloom, right? I, which I I enjoyed Mr. Bloom in this book. He's like, hey, just just so you know, like I I just want to clarify, I'm not actually dead. 
So <laughs> he's like, I know, I know, Mr. Bloom. Um, so, I mean, there, there were moments that I did like in the book, but I don't know. Like, it, for some reason, I just, this, perhaps it's because I don't necessarily care for the characters. And I didn't particularly like the portrayal of Jason Todd either. Well, you know, I've been in on the Red Hood books for a while. I know we never talk about it on the show, but ever since they had Bizarro as part of his team, mm -hmm. uh, I, I have been following those stories. And I've really enjoyed the the arc they've had uh, Jason Todd on in those books. And so I was you know, certainly going to give this one a try. And I liked it a lot. Really? Uh, I will okay. tell you, I'm not I'm not sure if it's the Rosenberg writing. Or if it's the Eddie Barrows pencils. And I think it might be the Eddie Barrows pencils that really sells this book for me. Because the, the book is just lovely. I, yeah, I, I do I, like Eddie I, Barrows. Like his art yeah. is very good. Yeah. yeah I and find I, Jason Todd is one of those characters I really love in the alternate universes. Mm -hmm. So like I loved him in Deceased. Yeah. I, he uh, – this book, all of these Red Hood books that, that they have been doing, and I, I – I, I think the reason why they're not calling this Red Hood and Task Force Z is so that people don't feel like they have to have read those other books. Because I will say that because the titles kept changing, it made it hard to determine which book to read before the other one because I'm reading them in graphic novel. Um, so I think it's smart that they that they did it that way. But the the artwork is just gorgeous in this book, and it reads very much like a book that is out of continuity. It does. Um, I mean, I mean, particularly I with it, all it, these I, characters being dead. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I wasn't, you know, I, I couldn't quite tell. Um, also, I don't know the current status of, of Jason Todd, so I wasn't entirely sure. But did, there's one moment where Jason Todd, you see some Jason Todd booty, some red butt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with all the scars on his back. Yeah. Uh, what happened there? Because, like, it's, no not, it's not like Batman scars. It's like, it's like he has been it's burned like he'd been, or something. Yeah. I, and I... I I, do, I think I have not read the most recent trade, mm -hmm. uh, so it may have been something that happened there. Okay, I wasn't sure if it, if that was. So wouldn't that all just be when Joker beat him with a crowbar and he burned in the fire? Um, uh, it could be. That could be. It could be because it, it is definitely like for a moment I thought, oh, is Jason Todd a zombie? Um, right. Like that's how bad it looks. But yeah, that could be it, Wayne. Now that you mention it, but it's it's never been. Seen that I'm not sure that before. we have seen him. I'm not sure that we have seen those scars previously. Yeah, you know. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So I mean, I didn't love the book. I mean, it was there was there were interesting moments to it. I would say it would probably be something um, for me that I would pick up on a sale or mm -hmm. you know in a trade, um, you know, in a, in a cheap situation. But probably not something I'm going to continue to read like DC versus Vampires. Well, you know me, I'm always in for crazy quilt. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought it was great. I enjoyed it. I'm in for number two. So a couple of indie but your books. mileage may vary. Yeah, your mileage may vary. Um, so Aaron this week picked up a book from Aftershock Comics um, called Cross to Bear, and I was like, "Hmm, what is that book?" And so you know, Aaron, why don't you give us the uh, the the pitch yeah. on Cross to yeah. Bear? So the the description of the book is that the the action, it is Jack the Ripper being hunted in the Old West, Old West by the descendants of the original Crusaders. The original Crusaders, not, not a superhero group, but like, you know, medieval times, Crusaders, you know, uh, fighting to seize the Holy Land, um, create a secret society 
that hunts down the occult and you know other bad people. Um, uh, so you know, set in the uh, 19th century Old West, that's that's the action of this book, and uh, I, that was enough to get me going. I'm like, you know, number one in in our current politically correct times, I thought anything uh, setting the Crusaders as the good guys, uh, I, I thought was an interesting choice. So mm-hmm. I was in, I was in. Plus I, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sucker for Jack the Ripper stories and you put them in, in, uh, you know, tombstone, Arizona. I'm there. Um, I thought this book, I liked the book. Let me preface that. Um, but I found it to be wildly uneven. Um, and I will say, there is something that pulled me right out and it's in the back matter. There is a whole section in the back of the book. Um, that is the, uh, uh, you know, found journals from, you know, uh, so who is it from, uh, excerpts from a journal, the year of our Lord, 1191 confiscated by, uh, Keystone Malachi. I don't know. Uh, after the purge of Arch Bailey and of Antioch, so uh, this is a book that was you know written in the 12th century or a journal written in the 12th century, and at one point they use the phrase "heavy is the head that wears the crown," and I'm like, come on, because that is a phrase coined by one William Shakespeare in the 16th century, <laughs> and I'm just like. God damn it. You know, <laughs> I, I, and I'm certain that the author would make an author. Well, you know, maybe, uh, you know, William Shakespeare heard it and it was popularized, you know, back in the 12th century, you know, but I'm just like, you know, this is a Shakespearean quote, uh, from King Henry the fourth. I'm, I just really took me out of it and it irritated me. Um, I liked the book, but here's, here's my, my objection to the book. The book is very steeped in the culture of this secret society. And they use a lot of the words that are terms of art within this secret society. And I, as I'm reading that, I'm like, Oh, I think that's great that, that they're not explaining that to you. You're going to just going to have to figure it out in context. Right. I thought that was a nice choice, but then they explain it to you in this journal in the back of the book, a journal that is quote written back in the 12th century, a journal that is written in cursive (laughs) that is that, you know, looks like it was maybe a journal that was written, you know, yesterday, um, that is, uh, you know, very conversational and saying, well, a, a peer is this, and this is that. And so they're explaining all of this language to you that you read earlier in the book. Well, if you're going to do that, just do it in the context of the story. Yeah. Don't do it in a whole separate. I mean, I thought it was a bold choice not to explain the terminology until they explained the terminology in the back matter in the back of the book. And that really pissed me off. I was like, this is stupid. You know, if you, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Like I didn't read the back matter. And so I think, you know, in the context of the story, I felt like, OK, like these are new terms to me, but I get what they're going for. And I, under- yeah. you know, like I understood them in context. So I mean, I, I I read this book this morning, so I, I was like, ah, back matter. Ah, <laughs> it's just a bunch of words. Like, so I didn't read the back matter, uh, and it sounds like I, I mean, I guess I should to get more context, but I didn't feel like I was missing. I don't think context. you need that back matter. To be perfectly honest, I I feel like the addition of the back matter took away from the book. 
I think I would have been happier with the book not having read the back matter. Um, because again, I felt like some of the storytelling choices they made were bold. Um, you know, that like, you know, we, that we're dropping you in the middle of this world, catch up. Yeah. <laughs> right. I liked that. I like that, 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 that tone of the, of the storytelling. But then when they're just spoon feeding it to you in the back, I'm like, oh, th this makes it much less cool. Yeah. Mm. Well, but I, I, but did you like it enough to pick up number two, Paul? I did. I do think I liked it enough to pick up number two. I same here. I, yeah, I was frustrated by, I think if you just cut out those additional pages, I think I would have enjoyed this book a lot more. Well, I mean, Again, here's the thing. I understand why they did it. You know, you can't have but so much faith in in, in your audience. Right. Um, but I think an audience that would be interested in this type of story is smart enough to not necessarily need the, you know, yeah. spoon fed to them. Yeah. I got to tell you, you know, I keep coming back to this this year. Aftershock is is turning into one of my favorite publishers. Uh, they're, 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 they're cranking out a lot of books that I'm really enjoying. Well, and so, you know, that kind of brings me to Comixology Originals. We had spoken about We Have Demons, um, the Scott Snyder... I don't have demons. You've got demons. Well, we all have demons on Halloween <laughs> Day. Um, you know, the Scott Snyder Greg Capullo book, and it was the start of three new Scott Snyder uh, Comixology Original uh, books. Um, it, since then, two more have been released, Clear, uh, from Scott Snyder and Francis Manupol, and the final one... Uh, is Night of the Ghoul from Scott Snyder and Francesco Francavilla. If you have a Comixology Unlimited membership, these are free to read. Um, if you don't, then they're just your normal cover price books. I think like three ninety nine, four ninety nine. It's sad that that's normal cover price nowadays, but <laughs> you know it is what it is. Um, so Wayne and I got caught up on both of these books um, since the last time we we spoke about a Scott Snyder book. Wayne, what did you think of uh, of these two? So one of them I didn't care for. The other I absolutely adored. Uh, the one I didn't care for was Clear. That's funny. It wasn't necessarily bad. It just wasn't a theme that I really got into. Uh, a lot of Clear is about, you know, you have uh, a hardware. People have hardware in them, and they have essentially... Uh, augmented reality where they see the world differently than it actually is so instead of seeing rundown buildings they can see you know nice clean buildings and things it just didn't uh overall didn't get yeah, so story so it, yeah the the, the, per, the the in clear um you know it is a futuristic like n like blade runner type detective story um and you know kind of taking fr taken from today's headlines the, the concept is that People have become integrated with not just the internet, but with social media in general. So people, you know, it, it, you know, when you go to Instagram or, or TikTok or something like that, people apply a filter, right? Like, oh, I have no acne or, oh, I'm, a, you know, a medieval princess, you know, the, the filters. And so you can now live with integrated filters in your life. And, yeah, and the name clear comes from the idea of people that don't do that. Yeah, they. They set their world too clear, and they see the world as it actually is. Yeah, which I am. I will tell you of the two. This is the one I liked. I liked more. I actually liked the concept of the story. Now, that being said, I think the same problem of that Scott Snyder has is true in these books as well, which is he gets way too wordy, 
Um, you know, and I love Francis Manupol's art, but there are pages where it's seventy-five percent covered with, you know, verbiage um, that's not even necessarily exposition. It's just people talking. Um, so I, I do find the book still overly wordy, but I actually liked the concept of clear. I think it's 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 a an inch. It is very much for me. Um, you know, like science fiction, right? Like it, it, it's something that that takes what we know today and projects out a possible future based on 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 that technology. And so I liked it quite a bit. Yeah, it, it's so. interesting when you're talking about both of these books. These are very much concept books, and we're not talking about really the execution of them or how good the story was. It seems to be whether you you know which one you liked better was based on which concept you liked better essentially and yeah i mean these are you know it, it kind of feels like you're reading miller world books where you know it's clearly like a concept for a tv series or a movie or something like that because night of the ghoul to me reads like an episode of tales from the crypt like if if or or creep show or something like that like oh if, yeah I if night of the ghoul was that. a one shot i would have been like all right that was interesting um because that that is exactly how that reads to me. Yeah, the twist ending would have been a the type of thing you would have seen in one of those shows. I really like the concept of Night of the Ghoul that there is a creature out there, and that most of the mythology around vampires, zombies, and uh, you know werewolves and things all come from this one creature that is wandered around and hunted. Mm-hmm. I liked the idea of a old man that had told the story and he had told it through a movie format that got burned Uh, I didn't care as much for the kid and the conversation the kid had with his mother but I liked the dad being obsessed with the movie and being obsessed with getting the real story and being more of a you know he's not someone that believes in the supernatural or any of that he just is obsessed with the movie yeah, I I liked the concept of the book. I think where where my issue was more in the execution of it. Um, kind of basically what I was just saying. It, it's overly wordy and kind of to to Aaron's problem with cross to bear. It spoon feeds every aspect of story to you. Like it, you, there's no when you get to the end, you 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 don't have to have made a single assumption in yeah, reading this book. <laughs> Everything this is, is not explicitly told to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Not in any way of mystery. You know, they, they set up this like nice like, hmm, what's happening? What it seems weird and blah blah blah. And then it's like by the end of the book, you you know a hundred percent of everything you need to know. And I'm like, uh, you know, I, 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 I would have gone for a little more subtlety, I think. I will say the twist on clear I thought was I thought hit better. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I like the idea of the uh the client she just wanted to know. She's not going to do anything with the information. She just wanted to know. Yeah. That was an interesting twist to me. I thought, basically, I like the concept better on Night of the Ghoul. I like the execution better on Clear. Yeah. I, I, I will likely, for all three of these books, pick up the second issue um, because they are priced right. Free 99 um, exactly. So I will likely read the second issue for all three of the Scott Snyder books, but you know I do think they all suffer from from what we've we've kind of you know the Snyderism of um, overly wordy, overly explainy uh, type books. But I, 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 regardless, all three have gorgeous art. I think what the uh, Comicsology books by Scott Snyder demonstrate 
mm-hmm. is that everybody needs an editor. Yeah. You know, somebody who's going to go in yeah. and, and, and speak truth to the artist and say, hey, too many words on this page. Yeah. You're you're over expositing. <laughs> well, it's, <laughs> you know, you know I, it's it's kind of turning into the Netflix, right? You know, Netflix. Yeah. You know, oh, Martin Scorsese, sure, go ahead and release a four-hour movie. Oh, Michael right. Bay, go ahead. Yeah, people love three hours of Michael Bay movies. Like they don't, right. you know, they don't reel in their artists. They they basically allow the artist to tell the vision that they want. And I think some people forget that what makes some of these artists land isn't just their creative vision. It's the creative vision of everyone involved, especially well, the and editor. It's limitation. It's yeah. problem solving. Yeah. You know, when you're, when you're given an unlimited amount of time to tell a story, you're not making, you know, uh, choices that move you effectively and efficiently to the drama. Um, I, 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 we see this all the time. You know, I, I I think I think some of the the best series are you know eight ten episodes long versus the twenty two or longer episodes. Yeah. Uh, you know, series. I, I just I I really appreciate the tightness that that kind of storytelling affords. And the same thing in a comic book. I mean, we are so decompressed now. Thank you, Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we are so decompressed in our story. I mean. You know, you go back and you read a comic that was written in 1980, 1990, and, you know, tons of stuff ha- happens in the co- in the pages of that book versus today. You know, it takes forever for, you know, comics to get to the point. I think Scott Snyder is suffering from I can tell all the all the story. I can I can use all the words, all of them, all of the words. And that's what he's doing. Um, he needs an editor. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of limits. Uh, limited runs, you guys see the uh, trailer for Hawkeye? I have not seen the new yes. trailer. I haven't uh, seen the new one, but I've seen a trailer for Hawkeye. Oh, yeah, the new trailer is uh, pretty sweet. Hawkeye's only going to be a six-episode, so it's the same idea of they're limiting the, the amount well, of time they have to tell the story. Wasn't Falcon and Winter Soldier also six episodes? I'm not sure. I know WandaVision was more. I yeah. don't remember how many Loki was. Yeah, huh. I'm looking forward to Hawkeye, and we'll we'll talk about Same. that during this uh, holiday season. Well, you know, Paul, do you have your Christmas tree up yet? No, no, no. It's <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we could, but I I, I I I nay, I will not allow it. Nay, nay. I, I say. say thee nay. <laughs> I say thee nay. Hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, uh, from Marvel Comics, we have uh, a couple of tie-ins to uh, The Death of Doctor Strange. We have Strange Academy, The Death of Doctor Strange, um, which does not feature Umberto Ramos' interior art. Um, it's what? by Mulk, Mike Del Mundo. Ooh. Um, and we also have... I have De- no idea who that is. He's just not Umberto Ramos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we also get The Death of Doctor Strange Avengers tie-in. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I will definitely pick up the Strange Event uh, Academy ones. I don't know that I'll pick up the Avengers. Did uh, you guys look at the uh, Blade Darkhold tie-in preview no. pages? That no. was awful this week. Oof. Well, I'm glad I didn't I pick mean, it up. I, I, you know, I was so excited for a Blade book, particularly something that was going to be dark, right? And, you know, opened it up and I was like, whew, buddy, this is not the Blade I'm looking for. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, I, I, it's just one, Blade is just one of those characters that they're just never going to get right, I've determined. Well, unless you get Marv Wolfman back to writing. Yeah. You know. 
Well, and Gene, and and if you resurrect Gene Colan to draw him, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> now that would be truly scary. Yes. Um, now, and also from DC Comics, we have a couple of, uh, speaking of miniseries, we have two miniseries starting next week. One from Tom King and Greg, Greg Smallwood. Uh, the Human Target, issue one. Um, I don't know I, I don't know how long the series is. I don't know if it's another 12-issue miniseries from Tom King. Um, you know, Aaron, you were the only one who finished up uh, Strange, Strange Adventures. Are you going to hop into Human Target? I am. Okay. I Strange Adventures was probably about four issues too long, mm-hmm. uh, to be perfectly honest. But I did enjoy it. I think I, I really appreciate appreciated the boldness of the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that it. I was surprised not that Tom King had the had the the schmaltz to tell that story, but that DC allowed him to tell the story, uh, because I think. I think you have a hard time remediating uh, the Adam Strange character after, after this book. Hmm. I really do, um, I, because even though it's it's not in continuity, it's an awfully dark story to tell about one of your Golden Age heroes, right? Yeah, well, they figured um, out a way to do it with Wally West. Just just spend the next two years. <laughs> yeah, yeah disproving yeah. Yeah, eventually make it someone else's fault yeah yeah I, but you know i mean in, in their defense it is out of continuity but you know it's that black label series mm-hmm. but i i i i it was very impressed with the craft of the book uh very impressed with uh the 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 efficient use of two different artists whose styles are so wildly different um I thought that it did. Uh, it was a very effective storytelling, both visually and narratively. Um, but yeah, I, I'm. I think the Human Target book looks awfully sharp. Yeah, uh, I, I, I like Ray Smallwood. Gonna, yeah, I'm. I'm absolutely in for that book. All right, I'll give it a shot. Um, did and yeah, one and and there's one more book that I want to mention. Um, but did and but you you liked Rorschach also. I did. I and I you know when you compare Rorschach to uh, Strange Adventures, I think Rorschach's a better book. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, we'll give Human Target a shot, but I will. I am one book I am very excited for, and an artist, who, or excuse me, a writer who rarely lets me down is Tom Taylor. Uh, Dark Knights of Steel, uh, retelling the the history of the DC universe through the context of it being an, a, a medieval world. Um, written by Tom Taylor, starts next week, issue one of twelve. I th- you know, I, I'm not sure that that's a story that holds up over 12 issues, but man, the artwork is stunning. Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious so. to see what his plan is for it. Um, you yeah. know, he's been hyping it and, and, well, like and said, he Tom Taylor rarely is, lets me down. And he is surprising in the way he tells stories. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if anybody can do it, it's Tom Taylor. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, we want to know what you thought about this week's books, what you dressed up for for Halloween. You know, and it occurs to me, guys, you know, you asked me what I was doing for Halloween. What are you guys doing tonight? I'm handing out candy. I'm, I, I will yeah. be watching horror movies and handing out candy. What, what's in the bowl, Paul? What's in the bowl? What's in the bowl? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be handing out candy. I probably won't watch anything. I might read some more horror comics. But to be honest... I've got a podcast to edit for release in the morning, so I'll probably be editing between giving out candy. Very good. Well, we want to know what podcasts you're editing. Give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, 
You might get something out of Paul's bowl. Ooh. What's, what's in the bowl? What's in the bowl? <laughs> <laughs> you can also hit us up on social media, IOMGeek on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Have a good one, guys. Bye. Happy Halloween. Very scary. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.